This podcast represents the opinions of our hosts and guests. The content here should not be taken as medical advice and is for informational purposes only. This podcast also does not establish a standard of care, doctor-patient or client relationship. No guarantee is given regarding the accuracy of any statements or opinions made on the podcast or website. And because each person is so unique, all listeners are encouraged to connect with counseling and medical professionals for assistance with their personal journey. All people, places, and scenarios mentioned in the podcast have been changed to protect the privacy of those involved. You're listening to the We're Not Fine podcast with Doug Jensen and Dr. Talia Jackson. Everybody. Why, hello, everybody. Everybody. Hello. Everybody. Like, hello. That's nice. We all said everybody, which is so inclusive. I know. <laughs> How much fun are we having doing this podcast? Um, I think. <laughs> oh, there's I, a little hesitation there, Doug. There was. Dolly, you know, Dolly, this... do we need to talk about that? <laughs> you know, as yeah, well. There was like, I thought you were going to be like, I'm having so much fun. You're like, eh. no, the reason I went, eh, or how to, I couldn't even imitate your high volume. Eh. Eh. Uh, this is what I think about it. Like every time we come, as probably people are noticing, if this is on YouTube, I have a different headset on each time. We have different, different experiences of how we look. We are still trying to figure this technically out. Um, that is the part that's not fun. However, as most people who are listening know, I can talk for days about anything, um, and containing this conversation is always hard within the time limit that we should probably be having. So I thought your headset situation was more like me and my glasses, using them as an accessory, hmm. and less about our audio issues, but more about like every time I want to try something different, you know, red, white black i like that idea wireless. it's a little a little uh i watch the british baking show with my younger right now and there is a wonderful wonderful judge named prue who has different glasses for every outfit she wears that's my goal did you see the controversy on that this past week about yeah about whether this should be canceled for having a mexican episode Oh, I just watched. Yeah, the mo the most recent episode. Every episode they have a theme. You know, sometimes yeah. it's biscuits, which is our cookies, or sometimes it's a bride week or something like that. But they had Mexican week, and I know they've done theme weeks like that before in other seasons. But some people had issues with that. I mean, the only issue I had with it is I don't think tacos should be a. Th uh, I don't a think baking, tacos is is a is a baking challenge. I think that yeah. that's like a cooking challenge. And and while they did use some baking that comes from Mexican culture, I uh, yeah. No, I it's a really great it. point. It's a really great point, yeah. Greg. Like I actually remember, like we just kind of keep watching the episodes as they keep going in a binge sort of way. And I remember they said that. They we're going to have you make tacos. And I was like, and they call, of course, cake sponge. And I'm a huge cake guy, um, even though I have to watch how much I eat. Um, the reality is I was a little surprised, but they were talking about making the their own corn 
I guess, tortillas? Um, I don't know. It's a really great question. I did not know there was controversy. Yeah. Did you hear about that, Talia? No, I've, I mean, I was embarrassed to say I've never even seen the show. Can oh I tell my. you something about that show, Talia? Like when it comes to like calming yourself and feeling like very soothed by something visually and otherwise, this is the show. Like if I want to calm down, I appreciate you nodding, Greg. If I want to be in a calm place or if I want to do work uh, documents while I'm watching something, this is it. Oh, interesting. It's in the countryside. It's in a tent. They all have really beautiful pastel countertops and refrigerators and mixers um and the people are so nice that they have on the show like they're all worried about little things like is this going to be too sugary or is my frosting going to work and then of course inevitably something falls apart um and there's a disaster but even that like people are so kind on that show and i will tell you prue is one of my favorite people um she is just such a kind and supportive person about how she gives feedback I could take a lesson. I feel like if I started to watch that show, maybe I'd be more inspired in the kitchen, which is probably a really good idea for me. I'm not, it doesn't translate to being inspired in the kitchen for me at all. It inspires me to like order cake Eat? from Instacart. <laughs> yeah. I could totally see that. <laughs> Thank You're you, like, Lungs. Why am I craving the sponge cake? Actually, I was craving cheesecake when I was watching it. So I ordered some Lunds desserts. And boy, do they have the most amazing pumpkin cheesecake. Doug, I will say that every single time we get together, you're craving cheesecake. <laughs> I think there's a thing. This might be like the fourth time that you're like. I have a lime cheesecake lime. in my freezer right now waiting to unthaw for me and my friends. So if you guys we want to need, come over. We may need to talk about food food addictions in a, in a future episode. I I am down for that. All right. So for today, we've got, we have two, two, um, two questions that have come in for today and let's dive into that. All right. Bring it. All right. Our first question is from Thomas. Thomas had an amazing date recently. Um, he took a girl out to dinner and they talked for several hours and then, um, decided to take a walk outside. It was one of those dates that never ends. And then they went back to his place and we're just talking and having coffee. And during the casual conversation, um, they mentioned, she, she mentioned, um, her love of music. And he mentioned that he, he had recently learned how to play guitar and she wanted to hear some songs from him. But the song he chose was more akin to a love song. And so he was basically singing it to her. And um, afterwards, you know, they, they said goodnight and that was the end of it. And he did not hear back from her for a couple of weeks after he had tried messaging her um, shortly after the date. Turns out that she thought the song choice was inappropriate because of the very short time that they were on this date together and they hadn't, hadn't they didn't really know each other that well. Um, but that was not his intention. It was just the only song he knew how to play. <laughs> so if she's not willing to hear him out, how does he resolve this? Uh, is it, is it worth pursuing? How does he overcome this with her um, to make sure she understands that this was not his intention? You know, this was just a one-time thing the only song he knew. I'm annoyed as hell 
by this this situation. (laughs) That's Um, a strong reaction. (laughs) Oh, my God. I got really annoyed as you were telling me about this, Thomas. And I'm so glad you wrote in. I mean, ghosting is one of my... By the way, the, the annoyance here is the ghosting piece. I feel like saying the F word, but I'm going to try to restrain myself. Like, effing communicate. So if you did not like the song while it was happening, say something. Um, Poor Thomas is kind of left out in the cold about, like, what she was thinking from this experience. And, again, the least favorite thing I have. If you go on a date and you're not interested, tell someone you're not interested. Or if you are offended by something the person said or did, by all means, be upfront and communicate that. Thomas, I got to tell you, boy, I am like one second away from saying walk the hell away from a relationship with someone that can't as simple as say, I feel like the song was inappropriate. And by the way, it was an effing song. Um, it was not like he was sexually inappropriate. He did not invade boundaries. It was simply, you know, and honestly, when he describes that this was the only song he knew, which I'm going to say, Thomas, you know, if I want a date with you and you sang me a romantic song, I would see that as a really great indicator that you were into the date, that you liked the date, that you felt connected to me. So I say any dude who dates me, please feel free to serenade me with some romantic song because it would feel really lovely. Um, you know, and it wasn't like a vulgar song. It wasn't any of those things. So I'm not sure what her issue really was because all she needed to say was a little soon, right, dude? Like, just say something. So, and I got to tell you again, I just want to say ghosting. Stop doing it, people. There's no reason to ghost somebody. If you're not interested in somebody, it's okay to say I'm not interested in you. I feel the same about ghosting. It makes me so sad and so mad and it's really cowardly. And I feel like it's sort of like (laughs) avoidant attachment is what it is. It's like, I don't know how to navigate this feeling. So I'm going to completely disappear, lose my number, which is a problem. And I feel like the way that you do something is usually the way you do everything. So my guess is that this is just a sign that every time she has a feeling or is uncomfortable or doesn't know what to do with something, she's going to disappear in some way or another. And it also makes me so sad and mad because you were being so vulnerable and so sweet. And it sounds like you read the room beautifully. (laughs) You guys had chemistry. It was a lovely date. And then all of a sudden it was no longer safe. And we don't really understand what triggered her to feel like you crossed a line, she doesn't know how to manage that, and then she disappeared, which makes me feel like everybody needs to deal with their unresolved trauma. Otherwise, we all have to, right? So Otherwise, everyone else has to if you don't do your work. So I don't want to be insensitive to this person who might have had some discomfort with something. But again, knowing your shit and dealing with your shit is the really important part of living this life as well as you can. Um, I want to give you two kudos, by the way, Thomas. One is, I think, you know, if, if I'm on a date and somebody, you know, I'm trying to think of some talent I might have that somebody wants to know. It's not much. Um, I don't have much to offer. But if somebody, uh, so I've done a bunch of singing in my past. Like I did musical theater. I did singing for weddings. Um, 
Neither one of you knew that probably. Um, and so, oh, and so I'm just picturing <laughs> the wavy, the big wavy <laughs> hair and some like seventies glasses and wedding singing. I mean, like the, I, I need pictures. I need to see it. I think, I think we need to have a, a rendition of don't stop believing. And, and <laughs> as, uh, our, as our, I thought you were going to say we intro. need a place on our website. I say we do acapella, <laughs> acapella. And I need you both to do the doobops behind me for sure. So, but here's the deal. Like, I think it's really courageous to play something musically for somebody the first date. Like, I think, you know, there's probably some nerves, et cetera. I also want to make one last comment about like, you know, Talia, you called it reading the room. Like they had a great date. And so there was every indication that it should have gone somewhere further. And, you know, I don't think you misunderstood what was going on, Thomas. I think something interesting and kind of strange about this. And I'm hoping, like you said something, by the way, like you figured out that she was uncomfortable. So there's been some communication, it sounds like. But I agree with you, Talia. I think when somebody shows you who they are, listen and accept it. Do not try to make her different. Talia, I, I agree. As you would say, I agree with everything that you said. <laughs> um, I'm trying to say that less and less. Yeah, I'm but, to but it's really true. More. No, no, it's really true though, because, um, in my, uh, reawakening into dating uh, as well. And I had this conversation actually yesterday with a friend of mine, um, that had a situation that was kind of similar in that you need to accept those signals that you get back and just let it go. It's hard because it sucks. You get a signal that they don't like you back. You get a signal that it's not reciprocated. It doesn't feel good. It feels awful. It's a terrible but you experience. Don't, but you don't want to be with someone who doesn't want to be with you, right? right. That's right. Right. And so it's hard. It in the bud. Yeah. It, it, it sucks. It absolutely sucks. But but the thing I told my friend yesterday was better to find out now. Better to find out and just, I mean, the sooner you realize it or recognize it, the sooner you can find something that is reciprocated and is a better fit for you. So, you know, um, it sucks. You did good. One last, yeah, I agree with that. <laughs> One last comment on this that I might say. If she had responded by saying, I did error, we had a really great date, and what I have to do better is be more expressive at the moment that I'm feeling something, I'd say, okay, there's some hope there. Like, I've had couples come in who are dating, and they want to know if the relationship can go where it needs to go. And so I think there can be improvement. It's not like people can't change, but I'm not hearing her necessarily give you the indication that she's taking responsibility for her shit, as I'm going to call it. Yeah. That's right. And and I would say that the shit is, why am I getting so triggered by this? Right? So like, what are the options? Was she triggered by his vulnerability? Was she triggered by him expressing something to her that she wasn't ready to reciprocate or is she triggered because she has trauma in the past and avoidant attachment so the more excited she is about him the more she kind of hates him or yeah because that's very vulnerable and scary and so she disappeared but i agree we have to fall in love with the person that is before us and not the potential we think that they have and creating this big potential future that just that's not reality so yes listen to the signs greg did you want to talk about more signs from your own dating experience that you've been having 
<laughs> we don't have that much time. <laughs> oh, Tali and I are bit. here for you. <laughs> got all the time in the world. Right. Yeah, no, we don't have that much time. There are always lots of signs. But, you know, dating, dating sucks. Um, you know, there are lots of times when you just have to accept, you know, and I actually really liked what you were talking about, Talia, because I've talked about it with business clients as well in terms of the the one in front of you or the path in front of you, right? There are many potential paths. There are many potential partners. Something I don't believe in is I don't believe in, um, I don't believe in a love of your life. I don't think it exists. I think it's a plurality. I think there are many loves of your life and the, you know, those loves happen and experience those experiences happen in different ways. So, because if it was just one person that you were ever meant to be with in this entire world, the world would not be populated as it is today. Uh, that's just an impossibility, right? So there are many people that are potential, but just because your time doesn't match or, you know, circumstances are not there, whatever, you know, that, that lack of reciprocity sometimes just doesn't happen when you're ready or they're not ready or there's a misunderstanding or the way that they communicate doesn't match your needs and vice versa. You know, many, many signals, many, many opportunities. Um, they all suck. <laughs> However, come on now. <laughs> I, I would say like, I'm the person that's a cheerleader for dating. Like as long as you're okay. being honest and as long as you're putting yourself out there authentically and like, this is the package you get with me. It should be fun. It should be like, there's really very little risk in putting yourself out there openly and honestly, because the right person is going to be like, I love who you are. But, you know, if somebody again, like even if you have this criteria, like this is the greatest thing that happened last night on our date. And then the next two weeks she ghosts you. Don't hold on to that hope that she is that person. Again, everything you two are saying. Um, but, Greg, I'm going to challenge the idea that dating sucks. I don't know. I can see both sides. Because <laughs> I feel like the vulnerability. Of course you can. Of course I can. Of course I can. But the vulnerability is mm -hmm. really scary. And so I feel like the less vulnerability you think feel when you go into a situation and very easy for me to say, I acknowledge I've been like out of the dating market for 25 years. Right. But when I talk to my people, I'm like, isn't there a way that you could just be like, hmm, this person looks interesting. I am going to set myself up to just be like, I've got 40 minutes maximum, I've got one cup of coffee or I've got one cocktail. That's all the time I have time for. I'm just going to see what's there. If there's something there, fun. Oh, all of a sudden my fake plans have disappeared and I'm going to stay longer. And if not, no harm, no foul. You've wasted nothing. You've not made yourself vulnerable if it's not a good fit. <laughs> Like onward and upward, 40 minutes. I like the idea of like the speed dating. Which yeah, goes but, to the... I, but I think that I think the thing, Talia, that you touched on, and and to your point, Doug, the reason I say it sucks is because you don't, you can't engage without being vulnerable. So you can't, you can't just truly date without opening yourself up for that risk, right? And that's why when it doesn't work out the way you would like it to, there is that sort of sucky moment. And I think it's okay for people to acknowledge, oh, it's just one of those. That's that's a sucky a sucky moment. But to your point, Doug. There, there, you know, there are exciting, wonderful, fun things and, you know, dating can be fun, but you, you know, to your point, Talia, it's about that vulnerability 
that's that's part of that path that makes it that makes it hard it makes it sucky sometimes and it's okay it's okay but except okay. you know again i'm going to make a little devil's ar- argument here against this or play devil's advocate like getting vulnerable is necessary to get the the great relationship that you want and one of the things and i i got to tell you i i heard the word fake excuse and i'm like i don't think we need to fake anything i think it's okay to say you know what i'm going to know right this isn't working and i'll be honest i'm one of those people like <laughs> i know within like 15 minutes if i'm going to want a second date with a dude that I'm with, right? And it's going to be physical and it's going to be emotional and it's going to be about our banter and it's going to be about our interaction. And I know really quickly, I remember going on a really, and I became aware of this. I went on a date maybe 20 years ago, 15 years ago, maybe. And I remember the guys like, you're not into me, are you? And it was five minutes into it. And I said, I'm not. And I thought you are such an asshole for being that direct. But in retrospect, I think it's okay. Not everyone's going to be into any of us right? As amazing as all of us are in our own way. So I would say that that vulnerability, just remember that the goal here is to create a really healthy relationship. And that means getting vulnerable. And it means being really honest about your chemistry, both emotionally and physically and intellectually with the person sitting across from you. One final note about this that I feel like is really important because maybe vulnerability feels either good or terrifying depending on what probably our self-esteem our sense of (laughs) self-worth our sense of like our body image or whatever it is yes because i can picture a scenario where if you're going in knowing you're the bomb you're the whole package you're amazing and not everyone's gonna love me because i'm not for everyone and i don't love everyone so i can go out there and be my truest self and if it's not a good fit great we're weeding them out if they're not into me because of who i am don't you want to know it, it's not about you not being enough or not being good enough. It's like great onward and upward weeding them out. We're not a good match. And so even with like the ghosting, if there's any possibility that you can say to yourself, it's not about me, most likely it's not about me unless I don't know, maybe what do we say? Five times in a row where you're having the same exact experience every time maybe it's about you and maybe we can look at patterns there. Sure. You can look at patterns, but I love what you said from the perspective of like going into a date, thinking you're the bomb. I strongly encourage this person. I encourage every person to go into every date you included, Greg, go into every date knowing that you're the bomb and that you are the best person you can be. And that person should love you for who you are. It's really quite basic. Don't give up. And I'm sorry that happened, Thomas. I love your singing. Keep singing. Keep Keep playing. playing. And don't stop believing. Oh, here we go. I actually have a sweatshirt. Don't stop believing. Maybe I should wear that. There we go. All right. Our next question is from Cindy. Okay. Um, Cindy and her, her fiance's name is Dawn. I'm 26. D-O-N or D-A-W-N? D-O-N. I'm 26 and have committed the ultimate betrayal to my 43-year-old fiance. I had an affair and slept with another man. I never thought I would be the type of person to commit such an atrocity as I have myself been cheated on before. We've been together for five years, engaged for one. And although I know there are no excuses for what I did, I want to explain 
why I did what I did and what led up to my behavior. I've been very unhappy for a while. Throughout our relationship, we've had many problems stemming from alcohol abuse. His problems started many years before we met, which included several DUIs and some time behind bars for, the, for those DUIs. He lost his license as a result. Throughout our relationship and up until recently, he had been a very heavy drinker. He wasn't the type of guy who needed booze every day to function. Rather, it was anytime we would go out for cocktails or for dinner, I would have maybe two or three and he would have five or seven. He's embarrassed me in front of friends and coworkers from how intoxicated he'd get and I'd always make excuses for his behavior. We've had many arguments stemming from this, but I just let it go because I loved him. He realized his problem with alcohol and went sober for a year, but recently started drinking again. His drinking isn't anywhere near as bad as it was before. And yes, there have been a few slip ups, but he's improved significantly. However, because of past behavior, I can't stand being around him when he's had a couple of drinks. I find him unattractive when he drinks now. Our sex life is also not great. Sex is very important to me in a relationship. And yes, there's been many times when he's pleased me, but for the last couple of years, I felt like it was just for him and not for me. He would get off and it would be unreciprocated. From the moment I met him, it would only last a few minutes and more often than not, I wouldn't get the chance to enjoy myself. I know some men have problems lasting long and he's made efforts to please me in other ways, but I don't get much pleasure from it as I used to and from the actual intercourse either. For the longest time, I just let it go because I didn't want to hurt his ego and felt like although sex is very important to me, I should just let it go because relationships are about compromise. But over time, I've lost interest. Intimacy feels like a chore now. I never want to do it. I have not initiated sex in well over a year now because it's just not enjoyable for me. When he does try to initiate it, I have to force myself to get into it because I feel like as his fiance, I should be the one to satisfy his needs. Over time, I've started to resent him. His touch no longer turns me on, rather it makes me feel uncomfortable. Whether he touches me in, in my places, I feel like I'm being molested rather than aroused. We also have completely different interests. He's former military and tends to, to lean more to the right while I lean more to the left. I'm big into the sciences and the arts and I find it difficult sometimes to get him to get excited about the things that I am excited about. There are things that we both like to enjoy like food, animals, and nature, but for the most part, our interests are on two completely different planets. I also have some things in life I've always wanted to accomplish that he isn't interested in doing. I've been with him since I was 21. And prior to that, I was in a relationship from 18 to 21. So I've never really had a chance to be single and pursue those things. I've never really had a problem with these things until we started planning for our wedding. The second the invitations went out, I started to panic. This was the man I was going to spend the rest of my life with. Yet, how could I eternally devote myself to just this one person who couldn't satisfy me sexually? who historically has had a drinking problem, who despite being an amazing and supportive partner, wasn't checking all of my boxes. We went for a walk one day and I explained to him that maybe we should postpone the wedding. We were trying to plan it in seven months and that we were moving too fast in the process. At this time, I didn't fully communicate the feelings I had and he was taken aback and gave me an ultimatum. Either we do it then or we split. He later realized that that was a harsh reaction and later apologized, but for some reason that just stuck with me and I began to resent him even more. And then came the new guy. I met him at work 
he was the complete opposite of my fiance, younger, more fit, and had a softer side to him. We shared all the same interests and I became very infatuated with him. I had to get to know him more. Our chats at work led to cocktails after work, which led to drinks at his place, which then led to passionate makeout sessions. I realized that I was doing the wrong thing and stopped myself from going any further. I stopped contacting this guy and told him I was going to work on my problems and fight for my relationship. I would keep this dirty secret with me to the grave. A few months went by and I still had these feelings towards my fiance. I eventually explained all these things that were bothering me and I had been unhappy for some time and I'd had doubts, um, but I never told him about the other guy. He assured me that I was just nervous and that planning for the wedding was complicated and causing anxiety and that he would work on these issues for me because he loved me and wanted me to be happy. But I felt like it was a little too, too little too late. I started talking to the other guy again and we agreed to have dinner. One thing led to another and I did the unthinkable. I ended up sleeping with him. I know I'm not perfect either and I definitely have my share of problems in the relationship and that he's worked in the past. I know now that a lot of my fears were probably just pre-wedding jitters, but I can't take back what I did. I made a huge mistake, which cost me the first man who ever really showed me what unconditional love is. I know I have to leave. It isn't fair to him to stay in a relationship that is now tainted in deceit and infidelity. How could I walk down the aisle and make a commitment to be forever faithful to someone when I couldn't be faithful prior to our nuptials? I can't look at him in the eye and make these vows to him knowing I had just stabbed him in the back. I never thought I would be this type of person to do this to somebody, but I guess we surprise ourselves sometimes. He still doesn't know about the other man, but he recently noticed that I've been acting extremely distant. He asked me what's wrong and I don't give him an answer. When he does get one out of me, I cower and say, it's just the same old things bothering me. I say I feel like I'm falling out of love and I don't know how to make things these feelings going away. And he feels like it's something more. Um, but, <clears throat> but if I want to go, I'm more than welcome to. I don't know whether I should come clean. I know I have this, I, I know I have to leave this relationship. There's no way of repairing this. And no, I'm not leaving him to be with the other man. I've been looking at apartments to move out ASAP because I don't feel like it's fair to stay in this home after committing adultery. He deserves to be with someone who isn't immature and doesn't act on impulses. I've accepted the consequences of my actions. And let me tell you, this is one of the most painful lessons I've ever had to learn. I definitely need to grow up and seek some therapy and work on myself, but that's beside the point. My question now is how do I let him go without absolutely destroying him is telling him the truth, the right way to go about this, admit he's been living a lie for months and that I've been sneaking behind his back, or do I just leave it as I fell out of love or some other excuse to spare him? I am overwhelmed with guilt and know there's no easy way to do this, but how do I cushion the blow, so to speak, so I don't potentially ruin other future relationships for him? Oh, wow. M Gee, I mean, this is like one of those scenarios that I feel like that's the chronology, but that wasn't the problem. Like there are 99 problems and the affair is number 98 <laughs> of this list. I mean, there are so many other issues 
that I feel like, and usually we have a lot of time to work through this one-on-one with clients, but in a really short response to this like lifetime of struggle, it sounds like in this relationship, maybe what I can say is I completely get why it happened. I feel like the problem happened before the affair. You were already falling out of love. This already wasn't an amazing match. I don't think the communication was stellar from the beginning in terms of like his alcohol abuse, which so the difference is dependence is maybe like a daily right? But abuses, when I start, I can't stop. So there was an alcohol abuse situation there. And I am really curious. I feel like if you were sitting here with me, I would really want to know what that year of his sobriety felt like in terms of your relationship. Were you falling back in love? Was there attraction? Did you remember why you loved him to begin with? Because what it sounds like is you don't really like who he is or who he has become and that there has been so much damage done. If somebody is touching you and it feels like they're molesting you, I don't know how you come back from that. I mean, it sounds like there's a lot of trauma there and a lot of damage that was done. And yes, I totally understand that you feel incredibly guilty about what you have done. Was it the right choice? Probably not. I understand why you did it, but it sounds like the work that you're going to need to do in the future is to think about how did I get into a situation where I am feeling so stuck and so trapped in a relationship that doesn't have a lot of love, doesn't have a lot of attraction. He's not meeting my needs. I don't know how to communicate with this man in a way to make sure that we are showing up together side by side, instead of me sitting here in the darkness and the quiet, knowing that I'm really unhappy, which immediately means you've opened up a back door. That neon sign of like open for business is all of a sudden open because you're not able to communicate with your partner. I am so glad you're not married. I'm so glad you didn't sign anything. I agree completely that you need to move on. Oh, this is where Doug and I might have a very different take on this because (laughs) I would say it's already over. Maybe you don't need to tell him about the affair. Is that really going to help him? Maybe you just say, I think we have grown apart. I'm not feeling the feelings I used to feel. I'm not in love. I'm not attracted. I'm so sorry. Maybe you don't have to blame it all on him and the alcohol and whatever it is. However, I think that you're absolutely right. Time to move on. What do you think, Doug? Oh, boy. Um, I have so much I want to say. Like, I could go on for hours. But, you know, Cindy, I got to tell you, you were like... If I had a, a, a client that I really, really wanted to work with, it would be you. Um, and I want to go back to something that I think is a, a, a possible piece of this. You said you're 26. He's 43. That's a 17-year age difference. You are from different groups of people. You are from different generations. You have had different cultural experiences. I believe that people of different age groups can have really successful, enjoyable, satisfying relationships. 
And yet I think in this case, I might say like, are you clear on what that age difference is about? And I have a lot of questions about like the pattern that you may have. Like, I'm kind of curious, I'm not going to, you know, I don't think, I don't think we can generalize this across all relationships, but I wonder about daddy issues here. I wonder a little bit about like whether or not that 17 year age difference is, uh, and at 26 years of age, by the way, like, I think if you're 60 and he's 83, I think you're in different Situ- uh, I guess that would be 57. I'm sorry. My math is bad. But she was 21. They've right? been together since right? she was 21. Which kind of comes to this developmental piece for me. Like, I find myself thinking, Cindy, when you start talking about, like, trying to figure yourself out, I think we need time in our lives to figure ourselves out physically and sexually. I think we don't necessarily know ourselves very well at 21. We don't know ourselves well at 26. Um, and so, you know, you finding yourself and kind of continuing to evolve openly and honestly into whatever person you are to become in this life is a critical, critical piece of where the the phase is in your life right now. And I honestly think, Cindy, that one of the pieces that comes to mind for me, and you referenced it a little bit, like, you know, you're kind of figuring out who you are. I say that's an ongoing life process and healthy relationships grow together. Not one of you growing much, much more than the other person. And at 43, he's in a very different place in his life. Like a lot of us who are not 20 anymore, have a lot of pieces of our life kind of figured out. Um, But I want to say about affairs for a second. So I want to address, Talia, your comment about, you know, we might disagree on whether to disclose it or not. I have had clients come in who ask me, do I need to disclose that? And my answer is you don't if it's really resolved and you understand all the pieces of the puzzle. Cindy, I am not convinced you know why you had the affair. I'm not convinced that you've done enough work at this point to understand what your patterns are of who you pick, which... I'm also going to say, like, you picked someone who's an addict. And so do you have any history of addiction in your family? Were either of your parents addicts? You know, do you have a pattern of picking people that you engage in codependent relationships where you end up taking care of them at your expense, which is the definition I would say codependency is. Um, But I think that issue of, like, your affair, I think there's a three-prong approach to affairs in general. You have to apologize sincerely for what you did that hurt somebody. You have to be incredibly aware of why you did it, and you have to never do it again if it's not a part of the agreement of your relationship that you have an open relationship. So I don't know that I think you're at that place of really understanding why you did it. I appreciate that you kind of feel like you understand, but the pattern is still kind of curious to me when you start talking about feeling molested when he touches you, which is really an unacceptable experience. You should never feel that way in a trusting physical relationship. So I'm not sure what that's about. And that's another part of your individual work that I encourage you to take a look at. Um, but I want to go to compromise. You said something, Cindy, in this in this letter to us or this request that we process this. You made this comment about, you know, relationships take compromise. Where I don't think compromise goes is don't compromise in a way that you can't live with or that doesn't feel like you can still enjoy the relationship. And I feel like if we compromise too much, if we agree to things that we don't otherwise feel like we could could live with, I think that's where resentment comes in. I think John Gottman's con- concept of contempt is what I'm hearing. Like, I think you have contempt for this guy. And I agree with, you know, Talia, your comment, like, is this recoverable? If you feel contempt toward him, no, it's really not likely to be recoverable. But your communication in this relationship, for lack of a better word, kind of sucks. And, you know, at 21, starting this relationship, there's no way to have developed that sort of communication strategy or or engage in that way. And there's no time like the present to make that different. 
even if you uncouple from this relationship, which by the way, do not get married until you are committed to this, this process, because that legal entanglement, which is really at the end of the day, what it is, is very hard to get out of and complicated. So you don't want that. And so continuing to do things that are at your expense, I find codependent and avoidant, and I would encourage you not to do it. So again, I could go on and on. This is a really, really deep exploration that, Cindy, I think some individual work is going to be helpful for you. So that at least you can learn from this experience and not repeat it. Because this is what happens, right? When we're not resolving our own stuff, when we don't understand why we're doing what we're doing, we are just doomed to create the same situation again. It's sort of like this Freudian concept, right? Of like this repetition compulsion of like, I am going to try this path one more time with a person with the same sort of like energetic signature. And maybe this time it's going to be different. And so to what Doug is saying, this inner work is going to be crucial to figure out what happened here? Why did I open this back door instead of acknowledging to myself that this wasn't working? Because I almost wonder if you needed a tangible reason why you had to end it. You wanted to end it. You couldn't figure out how to end it. So you just had to figure out a way to blow it all up, right? Question for you, Doug does she still need to say something if she yep. knows she's uncoupling? Yep, yep. she does. Why? Because I'm, again, we just talked about the ghosting issue. I think people need to be responsible for themselves and their experience. And I think it helps both parties to feel like they have some understanding of how a relationship has ended. One of the things that I really, really despise is when people end relationships or end, end marriages and they don't get enough information to like really depersonalize. And, you know, I've had people come in like, I don't know what the hell happened here. Like I've had people who show up and their partner is like got a bag ready to pack and walk out. And I'm like, do you have any idea what happened? And that processing after something hurtful like that is so much more complicated. So I'm going to use your word cowardly before. I think it's really cowardly not to take responsibility for yourself and move forward um, and communicate why it is that you can't do this. You don't have to share with all the wedding guests, but you can say the wedding's off. I mean, it's simply about taking care of yourself. Can I address something that I think I forgot? I want to go to that political comment. Um, so, Cindy, you referenced that you two have different political views. Again, I've, I've probably made it very clear from anyone who listens to our podcast, I'm not dating someone who does not believe in human equality or that all human beings have rights. I, I just will not date that person because um, I think it's a really, really core value difference. So the question is, like, have you discussed politics as well? And I don't know that you have. I think you really don't agree with something very physical, phys philosophically different between the two of you. And it might be about morals. It might be about values. Um, and I think we live in a time where sharing some sort of uh, common commonality in the political scheme is low. We are vastly different in terms of our bipartisan uh, culture that we live in. So I think that's another tough thing to, to navigate. Doug, if I can reframe Which something that you just said. Oh, go ahead, Talia. 
I'm gonna lose it if I don't say it but like that what Doug was saying about like the growing together like we all get to change and morph and grow and if you start dating someone when you're 20 you're not going to be the same person when you're 40 but the goal is exactly what Doug said with a healthy relationship you guys are growing together which means you're communicating you're exploring things together you don't become more and more avoidant of the hot topics you try to make sure that you're growing in the same direction or at least that empathy and respect is growing or not even the same direction but support each other's directions go ahead greg and i, I was just gonna go back to the actual core question um in something you said doug and and you were talking about talia in terms of um how does she conveniently get out of you know, get out of it or how does she address it um, Doug, to your to your point, because it sounded like from the way she was per- saying that that she'd like to do it in a way that doesn't crush him, right? That Don's not just despondent, and that's a hard thing to do. But in another 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 way, the best way you can um, help someone get over it is to fill in those gaps and provide that that clear, crystallized picture so someone's not left wondering right and that that wonder the lack of information can sometimes be as hurtful or more hurtful than the actual real information that might help them move on faster you know if they just know is that is that a good way to it's exactly what I was saying, Greg, really good reframe yeah. and really, you know, simplified way of saying it. Absolutely. It helps people in their recovery. I want to add one more piece. Remember the words I feel. You know, it sounds really elementary when it comes to basic communication, but if you approach him from the point of view of what you're experiencing, what you're feeling, what your thoughts are, um, it takes away the personalization for him. Whereas you come across, if you come across as you do this and you do that and you're not this and you're not that, that blaming and shaming, I detest as well. Own your experience. We all get to have them. So if you start the conversation with, you know, I'm feeling really disconnected and this is what my experience is, it doesn't make it about him. You know, and it's going to always be a theme that I have and I I have in my work as well. Like own your experience, use an I feel statement, and it takes away the, the real, real, real brunt of the hurt. And maybe some of the fear of crushing him is what has made this on for way too long. And it may crush him, right? But that's part of like, you know, there is no easy way to have difficult conversations, but we have to have them anyway. And maybe what you can even think about is that the opposite of having this conversation is being trapped in the feeling that you're feeling right now forever. (laughs) I've used that somewhat not very nice approach. Like, okay, so instead, how about if you get married and you see this through and you live your life with this person and people will be like, Ooh, <laughs> a paradoxical, little, approach. little paradoxical. Yeah. Or like how Dr. Phil used to say that I used to always love, he'd be like, how's that working for you? How's this working for you? Not well, not well. Congratulations. You have figured it out. You are not going to get out of this unscathed, but you know that you need to get out of it and you need to set him free and you need to be honest with yourself. And it sounds like you need to do a little work on how did I even get into this situation to begin with? But there is nothing better than the feeling of knowing that you are free to be you 
and to be your most authentic self and that you are now free once you have this really difficult conversation to actually find the love that you need and deserve and somebody who does check those boxes for you. Good luck, Cindy. Have a question for Doug or Talia. Email us your questions at questions at renotfine.com. Eligible questions will be randomly selected for upcoming episodes. For details, visit our website at we'renotfine.com. Join us every Tuesday for new conversations, new challenging topics, and fun.